America, Washington, D.C., signing on. When the Santa's It is Thursday, 29 February, in the year of our Lord, 2024, and of course it is 2100 Eastern Time. You know what that means. We are lit live and loud for Radio Contra, Sons of Liberty, live on the air for the Crispy Commie Edition. And uh, my voice has returned for this evening uh, <laughs> uh, as uh, juxtaposed to the last episode where it sounded a lot like uh, a certain uh, famous alternative media uh, radio show host. Um, but uh, no, my very rich, perfected voice on the air. Uh, into the not so golden microphone in the the um, the not quite excellence in broadcasting uh, in here. <laughs> anyway, a little throwback to uh, the good old days of Rush Limbaugh, and uh, I was kind of thinking about him. I, I have tapered off of talk radio. Uh, I don't I don't really have a lot of time in in my day, but I, I quit listening to it altogether. And uh, that was doing me a lot of good. And, and I just so happened to listen to um, one of the talk show hosts that's out there. And I'm not going to say who it is, but uh, because I that that becomes polarizing and, it, you know, when you're condescending about, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, I was listening to one of them, and and I don't generally have a high opinion of a lot of them. Uh, I used to, I used to, and and that was back before you know I knew a lot about much of anything. But uh, I, I don't really have a high opinion of of many of them because they're they're entertainers first and foremost. They're entertainers. They read a script, and it, you know, okay. But, um, you know, I, I was thinking about Rush Limbaugh when I, I was listening to this one show in particular, and I was thoroughly unimpressed, um, thoroughly unimpressed, but I, I got to thinking about Rush Limbaugh and I thought about how good he really was, you know, whether 
whatever you made of him, you know, you like the guy, didn't like the guy, whatever. You you really had to appreciate the fact that he was a trailblazer in the field. And if there had not been a Rush Limbaugh, uh, had he not accomplished everything that he did, and he worked his ass off to get to where he got. I mean, there's absolutely no denying that, uh, if, if anybody's being truthful about it. But um, if there had there had been no Rush Limbaugh, there would be no podcasting. And, and I was really thinking about this very deeply with all of that. Um, you know, when you look at, at who the, the top ranking podcasters are, when you look at that and, you know, Radio Contra is consistently, you know, top ranked. We're, we're ranked up there with, with some of the, the uh, just incredible people, um, you know, very, very notable people that are out there. But um, when when you when you take all that in and you begin to look at the totality of it all. Uh, Rush Limbaugh really was the the standard bearer for all that. He was a trailblazer for all of that. And uh, without him, I think that the the conservative conversation uh, really wouldn't have been advanced in the 1990s to the degree that it it was. And, um, you know, this all comes full circle. Of course, we are on the um, anniversary of the beginning of the Waco standoff. Uh, We would be very remiss in this show to not bring that up. Um, You know, it it is uh, very, very important. And it was a a, uh, landmark incident in American history. But, but also in the 90s. It was a defining moment of the 1990s. And uh, that, along with Ruby Ridge and, of course, um, you know, the Oklahoma City bombing in response to the Murrah Federal Building, uh, that were really the defining moments, at least in my mind, in the 1990s. And Rush Limbaugh was a big part of all of that, um, that, that, it, it really, uh, had there not been a pushback against the Clintons in a mainstream voice, and there were a lot of critics of Rush Limbaugh, even on the right, there were a lot of critics. They, they, you know, back, back when, you know, alternative media was mostly on shortwave radio, there was no such thing as podcasting, and the internet was very much in its, its infancy. In those days, if you were outside of the, the tech sector world, you didn't have access to the Internet. You, you damn sure didn't have it if, you know, you were some uh, rural hillbilly in, in the hills of North Carolina. You know, you, you didn't have Internet. We didn't have Internet until, um, you know, early 2000s. It wasn't a thing. Um, but that being said, you know, th- that was the stalwart. That was the talking points. That was the bastion, the the school of thought, and it was critically important. And it it played a critical role in holding the line and furthering the cause. And look at where we are. Look at where we are now. Look at how far we've come. This is really incredible. Uh, to see how far we've come. And, and talk radio is what it is. Uh, it can be extremely disappointing uh, for, for a lot of people. It certainly was for me. First time listening to it in a very, very long time. First time listening to it this year. Um, 
and uh, you know, in, in 2024 and I, I was, you know, not impressed, certainly not impressed, but uh, it is what it is. And, and I've just thought back to Rush Limbaugh is, is you don't get disappointed by that because talk radio is fading. It, it, you know, all of those mediums are, are fading. I'm not going to say that they're dying, but they are fading. Podcasting and, you know, what we do in this community, and I would extend that to, uh, you know, Rumble, like the the roundtable that that I was uh, very privileged to be a part of, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Murray and uh, Terrence Pop and and, uh, uh, Matt Bracken and it was a, a nice crew in there. We had, we had a wonderful discussion, uh, yesterday, but, um, that's really become the standard bearer and that conduit of information and those conduits of information are so, so important. And they have furthered the narrative so far. And, you know, I, I would say that, that, uh, the ATF would never get away with a, uh, a standoff like Waco. You know, they didn't. They, they attempted it with the Bundy Ranch. They attempted it with uh, the Maller Wildlife Refuge. They, they've attempted it a few times. It's, you know, it's been stared down. Um, and, and that's real power. That's real power. And when you look at the, the amount of influence that can be wielded out there, uh, for anyone who is, uh, downtrodden about that is black pilled about, oh man, you know, they keep look, just look at Podbean. just look at who the top ranking podcasts are. Right. And, and of course there's names that you're going to recognize that are up there, right? Nationally known, names you you know the the normies are going to listen to these guys are going to consume that but then you see radio contra then you see radio contra right uh so so incredible right so incredible and and it's all grassroots that's all of you out there um that have that have made this what it is and you know we on radio contra you know i owe to several forebear uh out there William Cooper, of course, being one of them, uh, the late, great, incredible William Cooper, um, absolutely inimitable in, in every way, um, you know, Rush Limbaugh being another one. And I, I think, you know, and to a lesser degree, I would say Art Bell. We don't really talk about space aliens and stuff on here, but uh, Art Bell uh, being another one. And so, it, you know, that, that kind of brings us to where we are. And, and that's brought us to the, the contemporary podcasting climate. And, and it, it's just such a big honor for me to be a part of that. And, and, you know, to be this well received by this community. Uh, so, it, you know, can't thank you enough. Of course, brushbeater.store. We're going to be talking about some of the products tonight. Uh, last night's episode that we did, uh, the, doing the, the round table with Colonel Murray, um, we uh, we we did a deep dive into thermal, of course. Uh, Terrence Pop and and uh, uh, myself 
you know, we, we kind of delved into our personal experiences with that quite a bit and, and why that needs to be part of your, your uh, force multiplier package. We're going to be talking about that tonight as well. Um, some hot, hot products are going to be back in stock tomorrow, uh, including the Stinger 640 from AGM, which I think right now is the hottest product in the thermal market. I mean, this thing literally fits in the palm of your hand. It weighs almost nothing. You can wear it on your face. comes with a uh, dovetail mount for Wilcox G24. It also comes with a we uh, weapons mount. It is suitable for weapons up to 5.56, so it's perfect for an AR-15. Utilizing as a, uh, a clip-on weapons site. I wrote a piece over on AmericanPartisan.org. Uh, some images of, of how to interface that with your weapon. A couple of pointers why you want that. There's a lot of images under thermal over there. It's all good stuff, right? It's all real good stuff. But anyway, all of that is, is going to be in stock tomorrow at brushbeater.store. Don't necessarily have a hard time on that. Um, but given the, the state of deliveries around here, I'd say it's going to be sometime before lunch. Go ahead and hit that email notification link. Though, if there are products over there that are out of stock that you want to be notified when they come back in, and we're going to have them. Uh, but uh, some new products coming down the pipe from AGM, too. I have to be hush-hush about it, uh, but I am really, really excited. I have strict orders to not reveal anything until next week. And so this time next week, we're going to be talking about some so a couple of items that I will have in stock by then and we'll be unveiling. And uh, I think that they're, they're real game changers. Um, I think that they're, they're real game changers for surveillance technology, uh, target identification. This, this is just, you know, they, they thermal in general, right? Thermal in general. You know, Trijicon, um, AGM really just crushing the market. I think AGM is bringing some incredible technology uh, to the hands of patriots out there in a price point that is some of the best on the market for what you are getting, for the, the very high quality and durability that you're getting. Um, there are some lower end items that are on the market. I really would tell you, you might want to steer away from those, uh, brands that, that I'm not going to necessarily rake over the coals. Just saying that, you know, when you look at, if you're looking at price point alone, they may be attractive when you begin to dig into quality for the price they're going to leave you hanging uh, by quite a bit. And uh, there's a reason that I work with AGM. There's a reason that I work with uh, U.S. Night Vision to the degree that I do because we're bringing the best quality products for the price to you. And uh, with that said, last thing before you know, I, uh, we get down to business in here, uh, Gen 2 Night Vision. So I have Gen 3 Night Vision in stock. Of course, uh, got a few more PBS 14s. We've got more that are going to be coming. I've got some dual tubes in stock as well. You know, I, I talked to the owner of U.S. Night Vision for a long time uh, earlier today. They are facing a bit of a weather 
crisis um, where he is located uh, in Idaho, and they are uh, they and and when I say that, I mean like they're about to get feet of snow, uh, not just a foot, but feet of snow. So um, yeah, it, it's the the shipping times are a little bit delayed. Uh, but we will be any anything from U.S. Night Vision that's out of stock will be back in stock as soon as they can dig themselves out of the, the great blizzard of 2024. Um, with that said, I have Gen 2 Night Vision, too. If you're looking for uh, night vision capability at maybe a lower price point, can't necessarily justify, you know, spending a huge amount of money. Uh, on Gen 3, I think that you're personally, you are getting a huge bang for the buck and you're, you're getting a very, very good piece of equipment uh, with the, the Wolf units from AGM, the Gen 2 units. And I have both the Green Tube and the White Phosphor back in stock. Um, big, big fan of those. And, um, you know, right at a PBS 14 size, I think that, that they're really awesome. Uh, seeing is certainly believing. Seeing is certainly believing. And, and you know, coming out to class, get to get hands-on with everything. You know, the, the last uh, scout and recce course, they got to play with all the stuff before I was even able to get it up on the store. And, uh, you know, that rowdy pack of wolves almost cleaned me out of, of products before I could even get them up there. But uh, with that said, we got them up and, you know, they're they're there. They're ready, willing and able to uh, service all of your needs. And uh, of course, you can find all that over at brushbeater.store along with all your communications needs, tactical gear, everything, you name it. We've got it. So uh, tonight, Sons of Liberty episode 88, the crispy commie edition. Of course, we're going to be revisiting the, the curious case of Mr. Bushnell, uh, Aaron Bushnell, the communist in the ranks. We're going to be doing a deep dive on him. Of course, my last podcast that I did, the uh, uh, Radio Contra episode 272, or was it 273? It was 273. Um, where I, I explained in detail, uh, what's going on there, shed a little bit of light on the, you know, the, the sociological mechanisms of martyrdom, uh, why this is a, a, a seminal moment for the militant left in the United States and what this is signaling to come. I think that we, we've got some very, dangerous times ahead um, of us going into this election year. I think that that a lot of the conventional wisdom, the hemming and hawing that I've seen online is completely wrong about uh, uh, pretty much everything uh, that I think that, that a lot of folks on the right are completely wrong. They are completely missing the point. Uh, there's only a few takes that I've seen that even is is approaching the correct answer. But then again, that's why you are listening to Radio Contra, because you're going to get a, a different perspective here than you're going to get anywhere else. Right. You're going to get the correct perspective here because we're we're all men of, of high education, high intellect and, of course, exquisite 
taste just like this rum that I have here in my glass. Came from Guyana, by the way. With that said, let's take it to our panel of incredible guests in here. First, the man, the myth, the legend, the master blaster imitation himself. You know him, of course, from his band YouTube channel, his Rumble channel, and his schizo rants on X. Yeah, that would be the app X, formerly known as Twitter, not X, as in the illicit drug, because we would never do such a thing. Risky Crisky, what's up, brother? Good evening. How you doing, man? I am here, and I have a voice again, which is nice. It doesn't hurt to talk. Well, for one, I can't be in the chat. I don't know. Something's going on with my phone or the app. So those of you who are mentioning me in the app, I can't respond. Um, I didn't know you were on with Terrence Pop, dude. I like Terrence Pop. I don't keep up with him like yeah. every single day, like every upload, but that's pretty cool. I used to watch his stuff a lot. Yeah, he's he's um, he's kind of laying low these days. Um, I didn't see anything new from him for a while. I, I was following him pretty closely when he was doing the ridiculous stuff, hot and heavy, just because I, I thought that it was really funny. Like his his stuff, he he's got that gallows humor that. Mm-hmm. You know, I certainly appreciate. I know you appreciate. Yeah, everybody in here probably appreciates that stuff. And um, I, I mean, I, I think he's a, he's a natural entertainer. So when I got on that show and and I was invited, I didn't know that it was going to be like a bunch of people in there. I thought that it was going to be you know like two guys asking me questions. It's like okay, so that's kind of what I was prepared for and uh then i walk in there's like all these people who are more important than i am and you know it's like oh you're important now downplay it no very important you're important to to me well you're important to me you're important what are you drinking you're drinking guy guyanan 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 rum yeah guy rum from guyana Guyanese, is this, Guyanese. Is this Guyanese. Venezuelan Guyana, French Guyana, or British Guyana? Because those uh, are different things in the news, apparently lately. Yeah, that's that's a good question. That's a good question. I'll have to research which which variant of Guyana this is coming from. Because uh, it's it's pretty tasty, man. I, I will say I, I'm a. You know, everybody knows I'm a huge fan of Venezuelan rum. Um, Venezuelan rum, which Diplomatico is my all-time favorite. Um, You know, Santa Teresa, which uh, a a good friend of mine from South Florida turned me on to. Uh, Santa Teresa is is a very different rum, also from Venezuela, and and it's incredible. Uh, Carapano is yet another one that will just absolutely rock your world. Um, incredible rums. But I, I saw this this rum sitting here from Guyana, and I said, I got to try that, you know? Just, I mean, I've had... Dude, I, I mean, I, I've, had, I've had rums 
from most of the the Caribbean nation states and most of Central America because rum is very different. It's not like scotch or, or whiskey or bourbon where it has, you know, those have real strict rules about what, you know, what goes into it and how it has to be aged. Like, you know, and every one of them is, is very different. Like Irish whiskey has to be aged for three years specifically. Um, you, you can, it, it could be any composite you want it to be, but it has to be aged for three years in Ireland. Like they, they have to like, you know, uh, bourbon, for example, has to be 51% corn and it has to be made in Kentucky. Um, you know, they, like they all have their rules. Rum doesn't have any of those rules. Like rum, rum can, all rum has to be is distilled sugar cane. That's it. And they do with it, whatever, like, like whatever they do with it after that is, is their unique thing. And, um, I don't know, man, I, I, I really appreciate the craftsmanship. I think it's a, it's an outward respect of the culture that created it. Uh, it's, it's very similar to, to cigars from different regions, tobacco that comes from different regions, how it's, it's different. And, you know, so it's, it's good flavors for some people, for other people, it's not, you know, and, and, and you learn what you like, but, um, it's a it's a very cool respect for each of those those cultures, you know, and, and uh, it's kind of like your own little personal anthropology lesson. You know, it's it's I don't know, getting all nerdy about it, but it's it's cool stuff, man. Yeah, I just drink bootleggers from the gas station. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't drink the bum wine. <laughs> Johnny bootlegger. <laughs> oh my god the, the oh johnny bootlegger johnny bootlegger is some of the worst stuff on earth yeah like i just i know um what's that meme where he's like i know what kind of man you are he leans in and says it's like <laughs> if i smell john uh, bootlegger on your breath oh. i know way too much about you already oh <laughs> and you're not like johnny, 18 yeah oh my god problems. Johnny Bootlegger. Johnny Bootlegger is the worst. Like the, the blue one, the blue one is bad enough, but it but the white one, like the lemonade one, Ugh. that one is 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 just that'll that'll put you in another dimension. Like you immediately turn into a wino when you drink that yeah. shit. It's like <laughs> it's up there sort of like um four locos in a way. Oh god. Do they still make that shit? It's not the same. It won't give you a heart attack like it used to. Oh my god, dude! I, I remember. They regulated it. Ah man, I remember the original incarnation of Four Locos, like twenty. It was it was like twenty, twenty eleven, twenty twelve. Yeah. This shit. It was like it was like man. It's like pounding a Red Bull and a Steel Reserve at the same time. It was a lot. I I knew several people oh, that got. Yeah. Uh, arrested and like fifty-one fifty because of four locos. Like they were like oh. raging out, arrested, kicked out of college, not like banned from going back on campus. It took oh. years for them to get their record unfucked. Like they were in so much trouble, dude. I got that so shit. drunk on four locos with my buddies from the barracks 
that we wore suits out and wigs out to uh in the East Coast Wings in or not East Coast Wings, what is it called? Uh Buffalo Wild Wings in Fayetteville. Yeah, B-dubs. We, we got kicked out of B dubs in Fayetteville wearing wigs <laughs> and shit. Drunk on four loco. <laughs> oh my god. Good times. That's that one on Skybo Road, ain't it? I think there's only one, yeah. yeah. Right next to the Best Buy, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Skybo Road, dude. Places I places I don't give two shits about. Like if it, it if it just went away tomorrow, it'd be like really? it would be a net gain for society. Now, wait a minute. Where am I supposed to link up with the 12 o'clock boys and do wheelies on my R1 up and down? <laughs> I, I, that, I took that personally. I was doing that stupid shit. <laughs> Where am I supposed to blow a push rod through my Jixer 750 and then end up on the side of the road? I was the guy I getting mean, counseled because I needed new tires. You could see <laughs> on the crotch rocket, we're just out there every weekend. First time I walked by, it's like, why, why the fuck can I see wires in your... <laughs> why do I see Kevlar threads poking out of your yeah. Z-rated tires, buddy? That's one of those, like, he, he looks at, at your bike, and he's like, go get your squad leader and your platoon sergeant. Yeah, go <laughs> get everyone into my office right now. <laughs> I want you to stand at parade rest by your bike after you go get them and send them up to my office. It's just like, oh man, it's one of those where he, he's not even yelling. He's just like, this is what you're going to go. Do. Well, you know, the answer to that would be <laughs> the answer to that would be Sergeant Major. I smoked my tires off last night and you just caught me on a bad day. I'll get brand new ones. You know, <laughs> inside he's respecting you for that answer because he knows. But on the outside, he can't let that shit go. No, he it's can't. It's already been brought to his attention. He's got, yeah. 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 He can't he, let it go. would have flown right. 10 minutes ago, but now it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, man. I had a, uh, I had a Joe at Bragg. I had a Joe who was adamant about riding his motorcycle. He didn't have a motorcycle license. He didn't let nobody know that he had bought a bike. He just had it. And he's, it was like, I mean, this kid, this kid was a hardcore, like libertarian dude. Like, you know, you, you're, you, you're not going to tell me what to do with my property. Like I bought this bike. I can do whatever I want with it. Yeah. And like on one hand, I'm respecting that. Like, I feel you, man. Like, like I, I'm right there with you. You know, I'm right there with you. It, it shouldn't be my problem. Like if, if you go out and you splatter yourself all over the road on 95. That's not my problem. Like, I mean, it is my problem because I'm going to have to do paperwork on you. But it's, it's really not my problem. You know, like, like you should, if you buy a motorcycle, you should be able to ride it. But um, the problem was, was that I saw him get on it. And several other people saw him get on it too. And we were just like, really? You're going to do this like right at the company, man? Like, I mean, you just so was, at that that turned into fiasco, and it was like tell him to get off of it, and tell him wherever he is, he has to get off of it, and he has to bring it back to the company. So this kid was at the barracks, which was like a half mile away. He had to walk the bike to the company, 
This dude had to get off of the bike, walk the bike from the barracks to the company. He had to walk the thing up there. And it was like, it was the most shameful, like, dude, I hate to do this. I don't want to fucking do I bet this, his calves felt that the next morning, bro. Ah, oh, <laughs> man. And I was just like, you know That's what I mean? That's some PT like, right there. <sighs> it was bad. Yeah, that was, that was... I felt bad for having to do that. I didn't want to do that. I, You know, it been up to me. Anyway, you know, you do you, man. Like, that's your problem. You do you. But, uh... Yeah, good times. It was, you know, good times. Good times. Great oldies. <laughs> anyway, moving down the list, Johnny Paratrooper. Uh, yes, sir. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, man. I, I just crushed a chimichanga and like three Dos Equis, man. I'm good to go. Nice. Yeah, buddy. Three Dos Equis. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's the stuff. My, I don't always drink beer, but when I do, it is it is Dos Equis or Miller Lite. One of the two. Mm-hmm. They're on par with one another. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. One's a little bit better than the other, but, you know. <laughs> ah. Yes, yes. You you were uh you were blowing me up a little while ago about our, our crispy commie friend and uh all all of his friends who are now uh, burning their uniforms. Oh uh, yes and, they are. Uh, you know, you and I have had that conversation in the past about how uh you know we'll revisit that tonight, but about how the the incarnations of Antifa since I'd say since 2013. Well, we, we can say 2014, but how they have evolved. And, you know, I saw it, uh, you know, when I got out of the army and I went back to school and, you know, I, I'm on a college campus and um, being approached by uh, veterans against the war which is, uh, you know, they, they were close associates of, of Students for Democratic Society, or SDS. And, you know, it, it, that was when kind of the light bulb went off, and it was very clever in, in how I was approached about this. And, um, you know, they, they, they're very, very clever and very convincing in how they uh, manipulate guys who are searching for belonging, they're searching for, um, you know, uh, uh, just anything, any, any sort of attachments. Cause they know that, that, uh, for a lot of guys, you know, college is the next logical step immediately when you leave the military. Uh, cause you know, you're, you're unstable and, um, they offer you, you that sense of belonging. And so that is, that is the way that they get a lot of these guys. But I saw it for what it was. That was the you know the, the next recruiting uh, arm of the communist insurgency is happening here in the United States. That that what they were looking for was a militant cadre 
to create more militants and to give them uh, more professional training. And I saw it for what it was because I once, you know, I'm conversing with with some of these guys and, uh, you know, in a sociology department, you're, you're going to run into a lot of them anyway. But uh, they started asking very pointed questions. Once we broke the ice, we were on uh, friendly terms. They started asking real pointed questions about uh, useful things to them. You know, what do you basically what what you're bringing to the table, what you can offer to the greater collective, uh, which is, you know, terms they use and, you know, what what they were looking for in earnest was training and, you know, training the, the, you know, the your your next generation of leftist militants. And so that that's why, uh, Johnny, it's so interesting talking to you and, and you know, having known you now for a few years interacting with you you had some of the same experiences i mean almost verbatim same experiences yeah for sure yeah and they uh you know they invite you to their uh, you know if for the for the we have, i think we have quite a few new listeners as of late um but for those that haven't gone through the whole catalog of 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 sons of liberty and, and a lot of other scouts other stuff um we discuss like how they recruit through music venues. And so they like, you know, they invite you to a music show or a rave or a festival. And, and then, you know, they bust out some really good drugs and they're like, Hey man, like, tell me how you felt about this and that. And they're, uh, I guess grooming would be the word or, uh, what's, um, yeah, you would be considered to be like, a um, what's the term the CIA uses or uh, when they're scouting um, talent scout and, uh, yep. and they're, they're, I mean, it's a fucking interview. And cause the, the questions get like more and more like personal and they're, you know, it's not something they would ask you over text message or in passing conversation. Like they're trying to load you up with like, uh, substances that would unlock certain like feelings. Like you're seeing, um, if you listen to a lot of the vet bro podcasts, especially about like prolonged field care and some of the stuff that, yep. that, um, that, uh, t our, our boy Teddy bear and, 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 and Macmatic are discussing. Um, but these party drugs, ketamine ecstasy, they're seeing that they actually have a lot of treatment potential for, uh, PTSD and, and, and people that maybe you don't have like full blown PTSD, but you've got some unspecified anxiety, um, right. probably about, uh, your future. You know, let's say you were like, maybe you weren't like a combat vet, like, like, like myself or many others, but maybe you were more of a technician in the military or more of an admin guy. Um, you know, they're, 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 uh, checking to see your pulse, so to speak. And these um, these drugs they're using, they've known these drugs are pretty effective for a long time. I think it's it's um, it's no different than uh, some of the methods the KGB used to use, where they would just give you like excessive amounts of vodka when you were on like a diplomatic mission in the USSR. Or, you know, like what's the truth? What's the ultimate truth serum? Alcohol. You know, if you give somebody enough alcohol, they'll tell you anything you need to know. Just just spend enough time with them. You know. And, um, anyway, uh, so yeah, they, they, they pry you, um, 
and you know i mean me i grew up around all that stuff you know i mean it's like madman and i you know we we've like from the first concert i went to you know people were trying to recruit me like you know there's the straight edge and you know at the first venue when i went to when i was 14 i mean it, you know i had axes on my hands and there you know you you get like the straight edge crew but there's like the anarchists there's antifa was there um you know there's all there's all kinds of people um and there's even a bunch of other subgroups too and then there's people that just don't give a shit about anything that are like really anti-personal and uh and and yeah you know i've spent a lot of time around this and it's quite popular in baltimore if you drive around baltimore you can see i mean it's clearly marked which bars which bookshops which neighborhoods are marxist and and the people that move in those neighborhoods are marxists they know exactly who they are and 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 you know where they are it's it's their little cantina if you will yeah they're they're initiated into that the that world those oh it's a process yeah it's not it, you're yeah, not in or out i mean it it's it's a right. process and and that's the thing too and, and we're going to be diving into this deep tonight because there's there's just so much that uh the right really doesn't understand the precariousness of the situation they they really don't because the problem is is that um the right is largely binary thinkers and and it's a this or that it's you know it's coke or pepsi it's you know it's it's like okay look you you don't understand the fact that there is mass discontent on the left and there are three very different factions in the united states that are all vying for control right and so you know you you have the government right the 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 government the deep state the bureaucratic state like whatever whatever however you want to label that like whatever it is right um in your mind the administrative state what what that is is it is a business and it is in the business of perpetuating itself and constantly growing and the militant left is at war with it okay you a lot of people on the right have very difficult time understanding this. And the reason for that is they what they see is, well, nothing ever happens to the militant left. Right. It doesn't because it's politically inconvenient to do so. The government, the United States government, the state governments, the local governments, they don't realize that the militant left is at war with them. Okay. Perfect examples. Portland, the Portland city government, Ted Brown, right? The mayor, he learned real quick. This is an Antifa guy. He learned real quick that, hey, as soon as you step over to that, that governmental side, militant left, they, they don't like you anymore. That's where he came from, okay? Seattle, all right? Seattle, story I put up this morning. Illegals in Seattle, the quote-unquote unhoused persons, unhoused persons, right? This term that's completely made up, right? They're not uh, um, undocumented peoples. They're invaders. They're foreign invaders, right? They're in Seattle, and they're saying, hey, we want more free housing. We, it, it's not just that we want 
housing. It's not just that we want free housing. We already got all that. We want more free housing. We want more of what you have. They're going to the city council and they're saying this. Right? The city council controls all of the functions of that city, by the way, to include its police and its law enforcement. So when you think that, well, the militant left, the militant left is, is well, yeah, you know, the, nothing ever happens to them. So the government must be complicit. And they, no, 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 no. They have bounds. They have a little box they're keeping them in, right? The little bounds where they allow them to do their things. As soon as they step outside of it, there are consequences. Here's the thing, though. The militant left at the street level is getting very impatient with this. They want a communist revolution now in the United States. If you do not come to terms with that, you are way behind the power curve. Hate to break it to you. All right. They are very, very unhappy with the status quo of things, and they are getting ready for a communist revolt. All right. So the, these guys are the true believers. And then, of course, that third faction, you and I, folks on the, the right, the conservative end of things. And that's problematic as well, because a lot of people on the right say, well, nothing ever happens and nothing. You know, why is this not? Why, why are things not being advanced and so on and so forth? And it's because you're a good little citizen. It's because the, the system works for you and you have stability, right? You don't necessarily have a cause that you're willing to die for, right? To make yourself a crispy commie, but you, you don't have any of that because you want to protect what you have. The system has worked for you. It's benefited you, right? And the government, you might bitch and moan about it. You don't like it, but at the end of the day, you're going to put up with it until such a time that it becomes intolerable. I would say that that, that time is long past us, um, but that, of course, is, is a conversation uh, that, that's best meant for uh, in-person endeavors. But, um, you know, with that said, the, the right has a very hard time understanding, recognizing that, that there is a threat that is facing you right yeah. now. And, and that the militant left is is hideously impatient. They've been waiting for ten years for this moment, all right. And it's they, they're they're completely fed up with Biden. They see Biden for what he is. Okay, by the way, and and there were some moves. Don't doubt me on this. There were some moves this week that have have vibrantly shown that um, when you have the squad, quote unquote that is abstaining from um, uh, endorsing Joe Biden's candidacy for president in the upcoming election in 2024. That is an outward showing of this. All right. That is an outward showing of, of this uh, fact that is occurring. And um, if, if you don't heed that, you don't understand that. I've seen a lot of people say, well, oh, but, but, you know, they, they have their little box and they won't do anything. And I bet they're going to sit this one out. No, you don't understand a damn thing about radical movements, about actual extremism 
and how that works. I do. In fact, I used to teach this at one point in time in academia. So I know a thing or two about it. Faced it head on, real world experience. And I can tell you from the academic end, too, if we want to play armchair uh, aficionado on things, I know all that stuff. But I can, I can play the whole game. And so that's what I was talking about in that last episode as well, drawing on Durkheim. Uh, you know, and if I can get around to it, I've got a real busy schedule, but I'll do another episode where we approach it from C. Wright Mills and Robert Merton. Uh, those perspectives, because I think that that um, uh, Aaron Bushnell, we're going to say his name, Airman Aaron Bushnell, uh, who is a communist, was a communist activist, is I think that that this is a seminal moment and a lot of people are dismissing this and not seeing it for the gravity of what it is, um, that, that this is a call to arms on the militant left and they are very unhappy with the status quo of things and they are getting ready to act on that. Uh, but anyway, we, we've, we, we've got an hour and 12 minutes to discuss all of this, but, uh, I would be very rude if I did not get to my next panelist in here on, uh, the live show, my, uh, very good friend, partner in thought crime, the best-selling author of the Tactical Wisdom series, social media influencer extraordinaire, Mr. Joe Dolio. Hey, man, what's going on? I might be having some mic problems. There we go. Is that working yeah, better? Yeah, you... Yes! Right. Yes! Good. Just having some technical issues today. Um, you know, another important thing is that everyone mentioned, uh, oh, well, they don't want to fight. They just created their own uh, political party. You need a political party to negotiate the peace after a revolution. It's really the last step Boom. towards revolution. So yep. Sinn Féin and the IRA, all those kind of things. So um, it was a watershed moment. Uh, and like I pointed out, if they're willing to burn themselves up, what are they willing to do to you? And I think that's really the biggest thing people got to think about. Yes, very much so. Um <laughs> Ooh, ooh, somebody's big mad. No, their mommy just pulled in the driveway, so they're excited. Good, good. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, what do they plan on doing to you? What are they going to do to you? And uh, just as HP11 said in the comments here, it's a challenge to his comrades. Exactly. That's what martyrdom is. By the way, that's what martyrdom is. And it doesn't matter, you know, religious martyrdom, which Marxism is religion, by the way. Um, they, they may not believe it, you know, no gods, no masters, and all, all that good shit. Uh, but, you know, obviously I'm being facetious. But uh, it, it very much is a religion and it is a cult of which they, they are all adherents to. And it's one that I know very well, by the way. Um, I think that, that I have a perspective on Marxism and a knowledge of Marxism, the depth of which you will not find in, in any other corner of the media, uh, especially on the right. You're not going to find that as a conflict theory sociologist. 
Uh, I know quite a bit about Karl Marx and the works therein. And Mikhail Bakunin and uh, Kropotkin and uh, Gramsci and so on and so forth. But uh, Gramsci, of course, is, is probably the most important to the contemporary Marxists in America. Um, and if you haven't read the Prison Notebook by Antonio Gramsci, it's a quick read. Very quick read. Most Marxist literature is is a very quick read. They, they don't go in depth with anything, but um, yeah, it, it's it's very very uh, structural, very broad. They always uh, write things in very broad analysis of stuff. It's kind of one of the hallmarks of of uh, Marxian thought. But uh, with the exception of being Herbert Marcuse, uh, Marcuse is is different. Of course, for a lot of reasons, he's different. But um, with that said, you know, we you you need to recognize that that Antonio Gramsci's uh, theory of social structure is how these guys were introduced to things, and 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 that was their beginning point and their stopping point. And what that does is it gives justification for anti-colonialism in the anti-colonial era of the 19, well, late 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, uh, the, the social upheaval that really, uh, we're, we're still in, but the, the, um, the wars in Southeast Asia, the wars in, in Africa, um, Central South America, of course, and, and we're still kind of there. BRICS is a big part of this. All right, BRICS is, is part and parcel of this. This is something that I've been saying for years and years and years now. Why this is a threat, Russia and China are both driving this, and we're not approaching this in the proper way. Uh, we haven't been. And in Ukraine, we, we complete Waterloo. That was something that, that, that was a blunder, uh, uh, a massive strategic error, a massive tactical error as well. Could have been completely avoided had we just focused on the Southern Hemisphere. If we had done that, we'd focused on the Southern Hemisphere. Of course, there wasn't a lot of money that could have been made there. And that, that was uh, part of the problem. And now... Um, well, we're seeing that, that uh, the oil companies are not very happy about that as I sip upon this Guyana rum here. This Guyana is, is kind of the, the focal point of all this. Uh, but the oil companies are realizing that the, the pot is starting to boil and that if they don't do something to act now, that this, this is going to be a very big problem in the near future. That's why you're seeing support inside of Texas shift to Ken Paxton's faction, right? The populist faction, and it's going away from the neocons. This is why uh, uh, Greg Abbott has shifted in language. This was why uh, just a month ago you saw the motions that were being made. Uh, and this is also why you're seeing uh, neocon stalwarts like John Cornyn make the statements that he's made it's very anti-Trump. Um, and I predict right now on the show that he will not be running for re-election. He will be up for re-election in 2026. He will not be running for re-election. 
that is my prediction. Um, hold me to it. We'll come back to this in a year, and we'll see if I am wrong, but I definitely don't think that I am. I have some very reliable sources in the, the great state of Texas, the Republic of Texas, that are telling me politically that John Cornyn is finished. Um, that, that the support behind the scenes from from the big money brokers are saying that, nah, he, he's done. And, um, you know, he, he's going to finish out his term. He's going to rattle sabers and, uh, you know, kind of kind of strike out at the populist wing when he can. This is the last death throes there of all of that. And, and he is finished after this. So there is some bright sides to all these things. Uh, anyway, anyway, circle back. Let's circle back. Let's taking it right from the top. So in the, the last Radio Contra episode that, that I did, that I was flying solo, I talked about extremism in the ranks, how you know the United States military ran off quality soldiers. They ran them off. They ran off quality service members who had conservative values, and what, that, that was what propelled them to join the service. Myself... Everybody in here, I'm sure, you know, similar stories. Um, and that's why we went in, you know, out of love for country. Different animal with these cats, completely different animal. They're going in for social change, right? Different motivating factor. And so that, um, that mythos that a lot of, uh, let's be kind and, you know, say older generations our elder generations um <laughs> uh you know all oh, the military is all a bunch of conservatives and if you if, if, if you trust that QAnon and that's the, the military is gonna there's gonna be tribunals and no uh no 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 and a lot of us from the the GWAT generation know that that's a bunch of shit uh we we knew that was garbage so my point is, is that this, this guy burning himself up, right? Act of self-immolation, um, you know, his, his sacrifice is, is uh, to his cause. Right? And that is one, you know, the, the Palestinian cause has long been a talking point of the Communist International. And a lot of people are confusing their criticisms of Israel with the Palestinian uh, uh, allegiance to the international left. And, and they're saying, well, you know, I'm going to side with them. And so, you know, obviously, but you don't understand. Uh, you completely don't get it. And it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you know, I said this on, on Twitter. Uh, it doesn't matter. How you feel about things, it doesn't matter. You know, you, your uh, criticisms for Israel or whether you, you know, you worship the ground, the, the IDF walks, none of that shit matters. Okay. Your personal opinion on international politics don't fucking matter. You're not that important. Okay. So right face that shit. You're not that important and understand that the Palestinian cause has always been one of national liberation. And they've been communist allied for a very long time, right? Since its inception. And the whole the whole thing about 
colonizers and imperialists and Western imperialism. That is the embodiment of that conflict. Okay. So it doesn't really have anything to do with, you know, again, how you feel about how, well, you know, as an American in my shitty little beliefs, I believe that nobody gives a fucking fuck. Okay. Nobody fucking cares, especially on the left. They don't care. Okay, if if you show up to one of those Palestinian flag rallies out there and you're like, yeah, you know what? I don't like Israel neither. They're going to ostracize you the exact same way. And if you don't think that they will, you are delusional. All right. You are absolutely delusional. Now, does that mean, you know, oh, I have to love everything Israel? No. Like I've said, I've said this over and over again. Quit being, you know, dichotomous in your thought. Quit being, you know, everything is black and white. It's not. Okay. They're another country. I give a shit what they do. All right. I don't think that we should give them money for no reason. Right. They're perfectly capable. They they have proven over and over again. They're perfectly capable of financing their own efforts. So, you know, all right, then we don't need to give them foreign aid. Right. I look at them the same way I do Ukraine. Best of luck. You pick the fight. Best of luck. Um, you know, know, that's the biggest problem we have right now is everyone thinking, well, if you don't support the Palestinians, you must love Israel or vice versa. It's much like Ukraine and Russia. Both sides can suck. Yeah, (laughs) right. You don't give a shit. Like you say it over and over again, man. That's another country. It's a whole other country. It's not the United States. I'm worried about our borders. Well, so I'm worried about our borders. Arguing with the communist international over whether or not you care about a country is, I mean, you're just not going to land with them on that because they don't even believe in countries. So like you'll hear them, they say the Palestinian people, like, you know, and the reason they don't like Israel is because they have a nation. Like, even though a lot of things in Israel have Marxist roots, like the kibbutz is modeled after, you know, like the communist utopia yep. and all that stuff. But, yep. um, and that's a fact. I'm not being anti-Semitic when I say that. That's a fact. Yeah, you can they, they were they were Russian Bolsheviks. Yeah, they that's who founded that. There. They were Russian Bolsheviks. The yeah. Soviets, Joseph Stalin, got rid of them. He he deported them. He sent a lot of them to the United States, by the way. Uh, but he, he got rid of them because they, they you had the, the whole arm of the Bolsheviks that were all Jewish. And he knew that, you know, we can't keep these guys around. They were playing so favorites with each other and he got suspicious. Of exactly. Them. And it's, they, it's a club they, within a club. They had a lot of power, have, too. And um, actually, uh, it was later, uh, later in Poland, there were riots in the uh, 70s, the anti-Polish, the anti-Zionist riots in Poland, when the students rioted and kicked the, um, actually, it might have been in the 60s, but the, the Polish students, the Marxists in the Polish government uh, authorized and allowed riots against the Jewish communists in Poland and they it actually got so uncomfortable that they ended up moving to Israel, which is kind of what the Poles were saying. Like, if you love Israel so much, like the Polish Marxists, I mean, um, 
right and they like it was a huge thing it actually caused like a whole change of power over there and there's also like pulitzer prize winning books that talk about all this too that win like new york times awards and stuff so it's it's not this is not a conspiracy we're not trying to be cringy when we talk about this this is a fact um don't lose and, sight that uh just the vast majority of people are fucking idiots like on yeah. both sides you <laughs> yeah got, like anyone yeah. who's a marxist or socialist like they're fucking stupid and very few of them can have a coherent conversation and actually throw out anything that makes any sense that forms their basis for their opinions right and then when you do the same on the right too like the the only reason 90 percent of these people support palestine is because that's what they've seen and they're just repeating it and regurgitating it. And the same with the people on the right that support Israel. The vast majority of them don't even know. They're lost in the sauce. Meanwhile, we're just giving out fucking millions and billions of dollars. We could have solved all of pe every Every Correct. single person who's homeless in the United States, we could have. I think it's 20 million. We could have. we Or $20 billion we could have done. We could have solved that. How many hundreds of billions of dollars have we given away in the past two years to fucking various wars and countries all over like it's ridiculous meanwhile people are bickering about shit that they don't even understand it, it is ridiculous. idiots and it doesn't affect them in any way except making them go broke that's how stupid these people are everywhere exactly it, it is aggravating it, it is aggravating. it makes me drink and yeah, dude. Ah, exactly. madman. <laughs> there it is. Madman actuals in here. I've been here the whole time, dude, just lurking in the shadows as per usual. Have we started a fire? <laughs> I I uh I did not see you in in the controls. This is uh this is getting to be a problem. I'm gonna have to Thought put I in a trouble ticket, figure this shit out. But uh Ah man, Madman Actual. What are you doing, brother? Drinking. Me too. Me too. You're in good company. You are in the bar room. Uh huh. Green Dragon Tavern on the air. Yes, sir. But now, you know, y'all are y'all are hitting a nail on the head. You know, it, it's it's. We're we have a in inside the United States, we have this cartoonish view of how the world functions. And one of the big problems that we have is that we project United States values. I'm not going to call it Western values. We project United States uh, values and United States um our way of our, our standard of living, I think is a good way to put that our, our comfortability, right? We project that on, on every other culture in the world. And it's just not that way, man. Like, you know, everybody in here, uh, you know, all, all of us have been overseas. All of us have, you know, seen a culture, at least one culture that is completely alien to the United States, like completely alien to the United States. Life has a completely different meaning to them. And, you know, for good and bad, by the way, for good and bad, but things are, are very, very different. And, um, you know, when you start talking the, the, the Israel Palestine conflict, I mean, 
we're we're leaving some major parts out of the story the way that it's fed to us because we get this like you know you, you get the uh, the Palestinian version, you know, you're getting the democracy now and the you know, militant left is, is typically what you're getting with that. Or you're getting, you know, some some strange neo-Nazi shit that, you know, whatever. All their stuff is typically very half-baked, um, you know, not typically worthy of, of much attention paid to it. Um, but then, you know, on, on the right... You end up with with you know the the neo Zionist propaganda a lot of times, uh, you know the seven hundred club is kind of the example that I use, uh, you know seven hundred club style stuff of, of that propaganda and, and so you're not really getting the truth on either side and and you know in in the United States it's easy to fall into a camp when that's the only conduits of information that you're being given, um, but that's neither here nor there. The thing is, is that it starts to divide people into their camps. And, um, once, once they're placed into their camps, you know, then they begin to embody whatever other, uh, um, basically social factions left or right that, 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 you know, the, the teams they're picking. And so this, uh, Bushnell kid, he was already doing, doing a little bit of digging into him. And I toot my own horn here, uh, on radio Contra. I said close to the end of the episode, I was like, ah, you know, I think he's something about this guy just screams Intel dude. Uh, you know, he's in DC. He's a young guy. He's in the air force. A lot of Intel people in the air force. Um, just, just seems like an Intel guy, man. Something about him. Hadn't even looked into it. Turns out he was. Yeah, you texted Turns me out that. He was. Like, Intel guy. And I was like, what? That, yes. Boom, yeah, I, was. I was like, <laughs> I knew it. I fucking knew it. Um, I also called the trans part. I knew he was going to turn out to be trans or trans supporting in some way. And oh, he did. Oh, I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah, his kidding. Twitch account. His Twitch account is in a woman's name. Oh, and, uh, Twitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in there his gamer go. tag, he's a trans chick. So, oh god, um, a flamer. So he's probably also in. Uh, oh god, did he have one of those like kid. trans anime emojis? Sure did. Sure did. That's an indicator, oh, right? Always Lord an indicator, yikes, dude. Always. Yeah. But you know these are all it's it's signs and symptoms. I mean, you you've got a militant leftist, um, you know, and and here's here's this guy, uh, you know, and, and so he didn't. It's one of the things that, that that a lot of people on the right, the the ones who who you know spend a lot of time throwing criticisms to Israel or whatever, uh. They they have a hard time, at least initially. They had a very hard time separating the fact that this guy's a dyed in the wool communist from the fact that you know, oh man, he he self immolated in protest. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. You saw a lot of the libertarian um, mouthpieces that were kind of cheering that too. Like, oh yeah, he's he's got a moral standard here. Um, 
except that he doesn't. Like, you, you have to call it for what it is, man. This dude's a fucking communist. Um, he, he's burning himself. If it wasn't Palestine, he'd be burning himself for something else. You know, you, you got to understand that. He'd be burning himself for, you know, trans kids or, like, some other bullshit. That, that's what he's going to be doing. You know, y'all don't get it. And that, that just is the most visible coming off of it, too. Um, you know, for example, Fidel Castro was, was a hardcore anti-gay dude. Like, you know, these people don't exist. They do not exist in Cuba. You, you know, that's well documented that, that you, you know, we, we don't allow that in, in Cuban society. He's, you know, these people are caustic to society. And so a lot of people, because under the Batista regime and, you know, the, the, um, the, uh, uh, all the nightclub scenes and all of that, they had a lot of debauchery that was going on, uh, that, you know, traditional Cuban society did not agree with, they didn't approve of, but they kind of looked the other way on a, on a lot of that stuff. Um, and some of that, like some of that was documented in, uh, the Godfather part two. If you go back and look at that, that was, uh, kind of a, a really good, um, much of, much of that had to do with the Meyer Lansky story and how, uh, Meyer Lansky wielded so much power in Cuba. Um, but point is, is, is that they were allowing that because that was all that, that went along with it, right? That went along with the casinos and the gambling and sin city aspects and like all the debauchery and everything that was going on. And, uh, you know, when the communists came to power, uh, when the, the 26th of July movement came to power, uh, they, you know, they, they took it at the conclusion of the, the Cuban revolution. That was one of the things that initially gained most of the popular support, um, was, was that they're putting a stop to the, this stuff. Uh, cause, cause that's just, we, we don't approve of that at all. And, you know, you're that, that's why on the militant left, you have a lot of factions coming off of it. Uh, we've seen this over and over in uh rosava in you know this is one of the another one of those takes that people on the right will never get uh, because they, they don't pay attention to this stuff i documented what was going on in rosava for many years when nobody else was paying attention to it and i said that this is these guys are going to come back from there because antifa set up a militant school Right. They, they set up a guerrilla school and then they sent these guys out once they had graduated from it as a Kurdish region, Kurdish autonomous region of Syria. They would send their graduates out to go fight ISIS. Right. And it was originally this. This was like 2014 time frame or so. Originally, they had the Communist International that was uh, that stood up the school that came from Germany and Italy. Rolling Stone did uh, propaganda pieces on it. Vice News, which uh, is you know is now uh, gone, no more. Uh, thank goodness. But uh, they did a very well done propaganda piece. You know, I don't say well done as as to cheerlead it, 
but it was well done and, and it was well executed. Uh, propaganda piece called Fighting ISIS, where that was designed, by the way, when I was talking about veterans against the war and uh, students for a democratic society, that was actually propaganda for that, by the way. It was it, it was very cleverly done because it it what it did was it showed vignettes of guys who seemed like me, right? And and the, the, you know our other uh, fellow co-hosts in here that we were you know oh well the, these guys are all patriots they're Americans they're fighting ISIS I obviously ISIS is a manifestation of evil so you can easily get behind these guys. And, and then we'll tell a little bit about their background story and how they became freedom fighters for this cause. And then they would intersped it with, with the guys who they weren't doing the, the main pieces on, right? They, then they, they would have your hardcore commies that would be in the background. And they, they would kind of interlace it in there and, and drizzle those guys in there. So you're getting you're getting a little bit of the, the real message that's that's over, but it's not enough to where it's it's um, the, the flavor is not too strong for for the drink, so to so to speak. Right. So that was how they did that. And it was um, it was well executed. Meanwhile, uh, Rosava and the uh, Academy that they called it right. That, that was, that was their name for this. This was a school for the communist international. So if you look at the, the time frame, they ended up getting run out of Rosavo by about 2015. And the whole thing was that they started, it, it started to turn into a sideshow and they were bringing in the LGBTQ, uh, you know, flag waivers and all this stuff. And the Kurds were looking at that, which, you know, the Kurds are, are Marxists. Um, most of them are, it's, it's, it's part of Kurdish culture. And they were looking at these guys like, you know, y'all are a bunch of fucking clowns. We don't want you here. And it sort of causes some real problems. They were like, you know, either you're here to help us and, and, you know, you're going to go fight and do things that are useful or you're going the fuck back to where you came from. Cause we ain't putting up with this shit. Uh, so it led to a big rift. That was all on Reddit, by the way. It was all out there. So if you didn't follow, you know, the militant left pages, like like I do, uh, you wouldn't have seen any of that. Um, you know, you you wouldn't have been privy to any of that, so you, you wouldn't have known it. And so the the militant left is not this homogenous singular organization like the <laughs> you know the caricature the right makes it into. It's 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 not. But that's not Funny. telling you, like, I'm, I'm telling you, these guys are extremely dangerous. Um, wow. That was that was Antifa 1.0. That was going into the election season of 2015. These guys became very active. Then you had Antifa 2.0 that came around after that going into 2020. What we're seeing now is a hardened cadre, right? They're, they are very serious about what they're doing. And we can point and laugh. And, you know, a lot of people can be very dismissive of this threat. But I'm going to tell you right now, me personally, I am not. And you damn well, if you are smart, you damn well better not be either. Well, because yeah. they have the training and experience. They've laid low long enough. They're getting ready to unleash hell because they've had it with the Biden administration. They've had it with the Democrats. They've had it with, with what they call, this is their words, by the way, 
This isn't me. This is them. They are fed up with the neoliberal order. That is what they are upset with. And if you don't recognize that, then you have no idea what's in store, what, what they have in store, what their, their revolution that they're about to unleash. And they're training every weekend. They've been embedded in both sides of the Donbass-Ukrainian uh, conflict since 2013. Uh, they've been embedded with the YPG forever. Uh, so they really have a lot of experienced cadre who know what they're doing, advising them and training them. So uh, I know it's fun to make fun of them, but uh, I, I say the same thing you do, man. you got to respect their game. They're a lot more committed than you are. Our guys aren't lighting themselves on fire. I, I literally just had this conversation where I talked about how, all right, some dude just lit himself on fire for the cause. And, and, and Scout, you pointed this out, demonstrating to everyone else in the movement that this is, this is the level that I'm willing to go to for this cause. It doesn't matter if I see it through. This is what I'm willing to go through. What are you going to do? I mean, AP and, and Scout have talked about this for, for years and years and years. I mean, going on almost to a decade at this point about the right can't underestimate what the left is. Everyone likes to think, you know, you see all these funny memes. Oh, it's going to be the fat haired pronoun. I don't even know what my pronoun is. I'm not going to fight you. It doesn't matter because our side is too busy sitting there debating whether an endpoint or an EOTech is better. You hand one of these blue haired motherfuckers a Mosin with iron sights. All they care about is I'm going to kill you because I believe in the cause. And our side has shit like kids and pensions. So we are not as committed in some ways to what it is. Now, eventually when our side snaps back, it'll be bad. But it's 100%. I'm so sick and tired of our side reducing the other side. Like, underestimating your enemies, like, rule number one of what you don't do. And I'm so sick and tired of seeing our side see it because, told you, you just said it, our side ain't lighting ourselves on fire. Some Chinese like we go to January sixth and walk through some velvet ropes. I'm sorry. Yeah, so. we walk through we walk through velvet ropes and we get arrested. And this guy's just like, you know, I want to do. I'm going to set myself on fire and then talk for like 20 seconds as I'm burning alive. Okay, within three seconds of me setting myself on fire, I'd be crying like a little bitch. Okay, this guy lasted like 20 seconds, and then even that was like, you know what? I know how bad this is going to hurt. I'm still going to do it. So. I, I, we, we've said it for years on the on the website, in blog posts, on this podcast. Stop underestimating the enemy, because in some ways they are way more committed than our side is, and they've had the training. Dolly, you said YPG. We're talking about Kurdistan. We're talking about Ukraine. Who wasn't going over there fighting in Ukraine? You know, we had some dudes who you know were caught up in the hey man, fuck Russia, Western democracy. It's great. A lot of them. They were they were flying socialist flags Whoa, because they so were going there to get training. They had been there for a while. With what they were doing is they were um, uh, well in in um, the Ukraine. They were I, I suppose they were starting to buy uh, properties and stuff. Probably since um, twenty fourteen, right? But yeah, well, so before that, they had been running like electronics and stuff that you couldn't get in these areas like iPads and stuff and flipping them like that. You could buy an iPad for like 600 bucks and sell it for almost four grand in, um, in Ukraine. 
and this was 2014. So you, you know, in today's money, that would be like six, seven, eight grand. Um, but they were also, uh, like taking apart the boxes and then lining them with drugs and shipping them back. So they were getting like really high quality drugs and this was going on and on and on. And so when the Marxists, they're like any gang, they, when they start stepping on each other's toes, they start kind of fighting with each other. And, and, um, the, you know, the Kurds kind of realized that they were more there to like party and kind of move in and they turned into like bad roommates, so to speak. Um, and they just were like, you know, same cause, but different culture, if you will, they were not, um, they were overstaying their welcome for sure. Uh, especially in Kurdish culture where it's a little more conservative compared to Ukraine where, you know, it's like every other person has pretty much a dead end job or you're engaged in some sort of gray or black market industry, like the sex trade, the drug trade, um, or you have like a, a nothing government job and you get paid like 60 or 70 grand a year that you kind of weaseled your way into. And, uh, and so when they, they had kind of built this network, um, using, using the internet and forums and, and a lot of face-to-face -face work and footwork. And, and they were, uh, they were really, uh, getting kind of a beachhead going on in Ukraine, which has been there for a long time, ever, ever since, um, the Nazis and the communists had it out in, in Ukraine. I mean, hell, the damn T-34 tank was designed in Kiev. Um, you know, that uh, I believe it was the Kiev, uh, motor rifle factory or tractor factory or something. And, um, you know, it's kind of like a big deal. Like Ukraine is historically a big, um, a big, like, so a uh, big communist national park, if you will. Um, and so they were all kind of just having their little Marxist, you know, gathering of the, you know, Marxists as they do. And they would move on to another spot. You know, the next thing you know, it'll be like, um, you know, real estate in Baja, Mexico or something. I mean, it's like you, you just these guys, they 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 migrate around. Um, and, and not all of them all at once, you know, they, they do other things. I, Bali was something big that they were constantly traveling to many years ago. They were all, they were all Bali bros all of a sudden. And, um, and so, uh, they were, they were obviously using this to, to finance the underground, getting their foot in the door of the underground, but they had long established like smuggling routes. And I mean, the, you, I mean, if you're like an accountant, I hope you really do understand, like, I mean, if you're an accountant or, or if, if you don't have much police or military experience, I mean, these guys are like Han Solo tier experienced. I mean, they're really smooth operators. They're, they know what they're doing. You know, the, the ones you see on the Internet can be a little fruity, but but for the most part, they're actually pretty fun to hang out with. And, you know, I mean, it's 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 i mean you're gonna i, I think we're gonna be surprised who where these lines are drawn because it, it's i mean they 
they really know how to get their foot in the door, man. It it's really uh, really going to be a problem. To your point, I mean, I think I think when this inevitable conflict comes to a head, I really think our side is going to be punched in the mouth. Like, there's going to be a reality check for a lot of people, and not any of the people who are on this podcast were talking about this. For your average normie conservative who just sees what is on the news and this side does this, and not knowing any of this history, right, that, that JP was just talking about, not knowing about the trade that they did, not knowing about their commitment to ideology or anything, just seeing the memes because there's some fucking boomer memes shared on Facebook about someone with a pronoun, oh, they're going to come get my guns, oh, fuck them. It People, the general public does not understand, and I think it's going to be a real shock to them that when this finally comes to a head and the images that they see on screen and the quote unquote victories by the other side don't line up with what they were expecting i think that that's when there's going to be a real like huh like question marks around the head being like what is going on everything i thought i knew is not as it is because the narrative around all of this is that it's just this disjointed we're here to protest and we have our little pussy hats on and whatever the fuck we're doing not knowing that this side is really been gearing for this for a while. The other side, too, is they're getting inoculated to combat, and our side is not. Um, everyone is all about throwing other people out of helicopters and tossing them into wood chipper, chippers right up until you see someone who is melted into the seat of their vehicle and their hands are melted into the steering wheel. And I know several of you on this call can relate to what I'm talking about. Um, they're getting that experience, seeing that, and not uh, they're being able to get beyond their flinch response, if you know what I mean. They're uh, actually getting some trigger time, seeing the horrible sights so that they're not stopped by them when they begin happening here. Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I think there, there are people there was think a that, that this video, uh, Joe, I'll find it and try to send it to you, but there's a video of these, uh, these um, internationalist uh, guys in, in, in Ukraine. Man, they are excellent soldiers. They are absolutely fearless. They're prepping hand grenades in seconds and throwing them through windows and perfect fire maneuver i mean they are excellent soldiers they're excellent yeah so that's that's the point right and and the other thing is is that the sights and shocks of combat right you see something uh you, you're gonna have sort of a visceral reaction to it unless you've seen it before and gotten used to it and these guys are and that's really the the one of the biggest things they're going to get. Everyone here thinks they're going to fight this this civil conflict through memes on Twitter and lolling each other to death, or or maybe showing up and having a stick fight. That's not what it's going to be. And you have to kind of kind of prepare yourself for that. And you have to hand it to the left that they're outdoing that in various parts of the world to get themselves beyond that startle response. Yeah, I mean, the only people on our side who are going to have that experience are really those who we have, you know, that large contingent of combat vets who have gone through it. I mean, even speaking as myself as a civilian, I know that, like, as much as I've been doing this for as long as I have been, I'm going to hit a point when when, when this common, uh, you know, coming conflagration, uh, or whatever you want to call it, hits. I'm, there's going to be something that stops me in my tracks. I understand that because, like, I'm a civvy. I ain't never seen any of this shit. So I think our side is like, 
oh, it's the Boog. It's oh, it's you know we're gonna we're gonna be fighting these guys. And I got to your point, I got them memes stored out. We got it. And then as soon as that, you know, I, I you know, you like to think that it's like in Patton when when George Scott says, you know, when you put your hand into a pile of goo that a moment ago was your best friend's face, you know what to do. You like to think that. But history teaches us that that's not what the average response is. And so our side is really not prepared. I mean, let's be fair. We and, can't and even get our side to spend three nights in a tent in the woods, let alone, you know, go on a four-week or, or four-month campaign where they have to live out of their ruck. Uh, they won't go four days. Oh, they, they, no, they, they won't go four days in a tent and then for, pulling guard duty? Yeah, what does that mean? Or like these guys in the Ukraine who set up a literal black market and then are engaged in a guerrilla war against a nation state like Russia. Right. I mean, they, they, these right. guys in this video, are they have this BMP that they caught in a perfect tank trap. And it's just surrounded by guys with RPGs and scoped rifles. And they're shooting the optics out of this BMP, disabling the tracks and bounding in. And I mean, they just annihilate these soldiers in this tank. I mean, these guys just get ripped to pieces. They're, they're, it's like, they're like totally fucked. As soon as they pulled the BMP up and stopped in that location, they were dead. There was no way they were getting out of that alive. And, and this is even going, not even touching, like, the whole new era of concept of, like, autonomous drone warfare and, like, being under constant surveillance, which, you know, most of, basically everyone who's a combat veteran is not used to because we, we never face an adversary with that capability that was actively shooting at us. And so now you couple, we're underestimating our enemy with, Oh, they're learning lessons from Ukraine, and we see it in in the Israeli conflict, where Hamas and Hezbollah are learning from Ukraine about how to use drones. That that's a whole nother wrinkle that our side's not, you know, going to deal with because again, we're arguing about what is the best rifle to own, and not like, hey man, how can we reduce our thermal or EW signature so that we don't get targeted by drones? And so our, our side is really going to get pushed, and punched, and kicked. And hit in the mouth when this inevitable thing, which I don't want to happen, will pop off because we are just looking at the wrong things and underestimating our opponents. To be fair, uh, it goes back to what you all were saying before. One side, the other side, is going and gaining combat experience now. The other side, our side, is not. So when you look at how are we taking that gap and making it smaller – People, like I know for myself, I'm making videos out there. I'm literally right now, and I have been for a few weeks, and I'll have a video coming out on it. We're testing the drones with the thermals and trying to get that signature reduced. We don't have all the imports and billions of dollars of weapons and technology coming in for a war here on our home turf. But like, yeah, the average guy, we're hopefully – the average guy's getting to the point where he now knows about a bail. Like, think about just think about the calm situation five years ago, and think about where it is right now. It's so much yep. better. People are actually sitting there, and they have a a bail thing as their radio. It's not. I mean, obviously, if everyone could have military comms, cool, have them. 
they can't. That's not realistic. But the the baseline has risen significantly, and it's rising all over, just like it's going to rise with the whole threat with drones and everything. Like, just look. I mean, it, it is gun to, but like Garantham, he had Ukraine guys that are fighting in Ukraine. Come on, and they're showing how they're assaulting a trench. Right, like yep. this is taking place. I'm working with a shotgun right now, trying to defeat those FPS drones, the suicide little that, quadcopter. That's a great point, Risky. That really is because. So it's like it, it's difficult. I mean, and I know I'm guilty of it, man. Like I'm post. I post on Twitter earlier. What's their favorite optic? Aimpoint, Trijicon, or, or whatever? Because I well, because I'm about to buy one. For that's really the only reason I did it. But yeah, we have these low level conversations all the time, but. Don't let it take away from the fact that a small contingent of us, I wish it was larger, are absolutely preparing for this and taking it. Yeah, and, 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 and I remember having a conversation at the Tennessee Scout Course, um, and we were sitting there, we were watching, it was op four, it was uh, students on students, about 22, this, this was the weekend, the Scout will remember that I accidentally killed his uh, truck battery. Um, it was uh, like 20, it was like, oh, yeah, it was like, I remember. Yeah, I know you do. 13 on 12, maybe something like that. But I remember sitting back and a good buddy of our, Adam, sat back and he goes, just look at this group of guys. And I said, yeah, it's incredible. Like, like, and we had a couple gals there too. And they're like, man, this is, this is really cool. And, and he goes, no, he's like, remember back when this whole thing started, the whole quote unquote preparedness militia movement started. He's like, he had a couple of Russian starlight scopes, maybe a couple like shitty like thermals. We were looking at a contingent of 21 guys and gals, 19 of them had nods. Like the guys who didn't have nods had thermal, like looking at the capability of our side. So like there is something to be said for that. And, and, and I think risky, your point is a nice little anti-black bill. Like not our side is doomed. Like we have advantages on our side as well. I think it's keeping in mind the advantages that our side has, which have been well-earned, and people like Scout and Dolio and all y'all that do training. That's that's the advantage our size has. And we know that a couple of these guys have come into classes before and, and gotten something. So that's like the good side of it. The bad side being our side underestimated. So it is a balance. But I don't want to sound like a huge black pill person. So I'm, I'm glad, Risky, you, you pointed that. I mean, I'm completely black billed. I'm going to be real. I'm, I've accepted the fact that I don't think it gets better. But that being said, the one thing people aren't prepared for because they haven't seen it yet is we might not have it. We might have the numbers, but they might be not as good as the average you know guy like y'all are talking about. But then you got our serious hitters. When you take our best people, they they equal up to you know. I'm trying to think of a person, right? But like, a, like a Brent 0331 or somebody like that. You guys know who I'm talking about, like yeah. Oh, yeah. these yeah, dudes yeah. who are very prepared. Like, how many hundreds of other of guys is he worth, right? Like, and we have guys like that all over the place. When you when you look at the ones that we have, our best people, they are so much significantly better than that of the opposition. So it's like, yeah, it might not be a completely fair fight. And again, I am black pilled here. But I think people haven't seen – if things go unrestricted and people are just like gloves are off, they're not prepared for the level of violence and the the the, the means in which some people on our side are willing to go because we haven't had to do that and we're restraining ourselves. We're not lighting ourselves on fire. They're self-selecting out. 
right? Like, we're not doing that. Good restraint. I wish we could all come together yeah. and do something about it now, but, you know, we'll have to wait until the tipping point, it would appear. No, I, I, I agree 100%, man. Um, you know, it, it's the, the, especially, you know, the, the restraint that's being exhibited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, and, you know, you, you look at it from a, so let me back up. Conservatives look at things from a structural functionalist point of view. All right. And what I mean by that is, is that we look at society in terms of structure and every structure has a function to it. And we, we are part and parcel of that. And so um, in recognizing that, we're conservatives because we want to maintain that, right? We want to maintain the status quo because the system, again, the system, whatever that uh, uh, structure and the functions therein benefits us. And so we want to maintain it. So no, we you know, conservative would never go out and light themselves on fire, um, on purpose, you know, unless there's something else going on. There's another you know form of suicide that they, they're they're trying to commit because suicide comes in in different forms. It's it's not just a man. Life sucks. I'm gonna cat myself. You know, like uh, uh-uh. not not how that works. Um. That, that is one form that is egoistic suicide, but, but there are many, uh, anonymic suicide, but there are many others. Um, four, to be exact, there's four different forms. But conservatives are functional, structural, or, or structural functionalists. And that's, that's how we think. That's why we're conservatives. That's how we work. Um, we exhibit that restraint as you point out, because it is contrary to our self-interest to act upon what we see. We, you know, Hey, we need to take out the trash, right? But we're not going to do that because if we did, well, now I'm going to end up in prison, you know, and what good is that going to do me? What good is that going to do the larger conservative movement? It's not doing us any good to do that. And so, you know, we're, we're not really doing that. Um, but to say, you know, upon such a time and, and such a time will occur. I mean, we're, we're in that phase now where there are literally intolerable acts that are happening um, that, that cannot be ignored. And it's bubbling up from the the depths from the grassroots level up uh, you know th this university of georgia nursing student down in athens uh who's you know her story is is of course she was killed by venezuelan venezuela is conducting gray zone warfare on the united states by the way uh it's not by accident they emptied their prisons and they emptied them right into our southern border uh, this is exactly what Fidel Castro did, and uh, in the 1980s, and you know Miami's crime rate, South Florida's crime rate went through the roof. It's exactly what's happening here, and um, but on a, a much larger scale and a much worse scale. Um, so you know, it, it's we're in for we're in for a treat. 
um, coming up, the coming attractions in, in this summer. Things, things are going to heat up in more ways than one. But um, if you look at the response to that, if you look at the response to this young lady who, who unfortunately was murdered, um, lost her life, the, the, the thousands, thousands of students who have come out, the Athens, Georgia uh, mayor who is just a feckless turd burglar of a, of a liberal, uh, just just absolutely defining. Um, he is an epitome of his class an exemplar of his breed. And he was shouted down. I mean, people were, were screaming at him to, to resign. They want this guy gone. Um, you know, and, and that's transcending the ballot box. You know, we're, we're, th there are more people and they are very young who are saying, Hey, you know, the ballot box has failed. The very worst thing that the administrative state could have done in 2020 is what they did. Uh, even for the sake of argument, even if Joe Biden really did get 81 million votes, and I don't think anybody in here believes that was straight face. Um, he was installed because he was keeping the grift going for the DC machine. And when they did that, they, greatly underestimated their ability to stay on top of the narrative, which was absolutely impossible for them to do. And they, they pulled back the curtain to the American people that, you know, the system is rigged. The system is rigged. You know, and it doesn't matter whether it's kind of rigged or a little bit rigged or it's really, really fucking rigged. But it really doesn't matter to what degree it is. It's compromised. And any degree of compromise goes in the face of the will of the people, which is a lie to the American people at its most fundamental level. That you, you, you know, one person, one vote, and all this flowery shit, right? It's a lie. That is a lie. And we have continuously been lied to. We're constantly being lied to. And they're going to keep lying to us. And they're very flagrant about this. They don't care. That, that is the thing. And if you call what is, is. If you point this out. You say, hey, yeah, I don't think all this adds up. Well, then we're going to charge you. We'll deplatform you. We will dehuman you. You will no longer have a voice. We'll squelch you. So that becomes a lie. First Amendment is a lie, right? Your fundamental freedoms in the United States are a lie. So it's all a lie. If that's not a lie on its face, or if that is not truthful, rather, on its face, that's a lie, then everything else is a lie. It's all bullshit. That's exactly what they did. They ripped back the curtain. A lot of people are seeing it. They're not in a, necessarily in a position to do something about it, and maybe they're not willing to, to make that, that political jump if you will, to, to the next echelon, maybe, you know, listening to a podcast like this one, but they recognize that something is very, very wrong with the system. And so when you see, um, the response, uh, to, to that young lady, and unfortunately I, I predict there's going to be a lot more, um, when you see that, just know that, that, 
you know, the grassroots is there. The, the populism the aspect of things is winning because if it wasn't, they wouldn't be working as hard as they are. Uh, and it, so. It's also, it, it's, it's their fear is the normies that are changing the opinion. And I work in academia and the opinions that I've seen, and, and this is kind of tangentially tied to this with, the, the, the very leftist movement, as we know, is present at all academic organizations, aside from maybe Hillsdale, um, that they, they, they have some DEI initiatives at the place that I work right now. And again, you're not talking illegal immigration, whatever. You're talking about the people coming across the border, but the same kind of liberal concepts that are infusing into people who would be, as you can attest to, Scout, very receptive to these messaging it has been anything but in the past six months in fact people who i thought would support a certain message category or message campaign have outright said without prompting because no one aside from a few people at the college know what i believe in um they've just independently they don't agree with things and so to your point, that bounce back, I, I think it's in some ways, it's, it's, it's almost like the reverse silent majority where people realize that shit is fucked up, but at the same time, they don't want the vocal minority to cancel them. So I, to me, what you're saying right now is 100% on point. It's, it's this idea that People realize that shit is bad. Shit's going wrong, and and those the, that footage from from the Lake and Riley that's her name, Lake and Riley from UGA. There's there's thousands of students out there, and I didn't really see any news stories, and there's a reason for that. Well, someone you know, today where they blamed her. They said that uh, it's likely that he killed her because she fought back so vociferously. Oh yeah, yeah, because she because she fought back, he crushed her skull. That was after the article I mean, about. You got to be kidding me, man! Yeah, that was that was after the article about. Oh, her death highlights the reason that people like women who are white who run are at danger. That was the first. That was the first iteration they tried the frame, and then it was her skull was deformed. Oh, because he panicked because she fought back. Like, what the fuck was she supposed to do? Just take it? Like. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely ludicrous. I, I know when I saw that, I had no words. Like I, I, I didn't even know what to say. Wait till they start um, crucifying well, people. You know how you know what it sounds like. It's like when yep. um, it's like when a uh, dog owner that cares more about their dog than the the you know the person that got attacked by their dog. And so they just sit there and they're like, no, my dog didn't attack anybody. And it's like, okay, well, why is that woman's face ripped off? And and why is she crying and calling the police? Like, what do you mean your dog didn't attack anybody? Who ripped that person's face off and bit their hand? Like, you, you know what I mean? It, and, and they just sit there and deny it. And they're like, no, this pit bull would never attack anybody. And it's like, yeah, but it did, though. Like. It's the same mentality. It's it's their it's their uh, puppy dog. You know they don't. Our puppy dog would never hurt anybody. Oh well, you deserved it. You scared them. It's like oh okay, I see. 
It's like, it's like the same people who would be like, oh, my God, you said that the woman was raped because of how she was dressed. Doesn't mean she meant that. Yeah. You're like, okay, you take that mentality, but like, oh, it's illegal. Oh, well, you didn't know what he was doing. Uh, I don't know. He's new to the country. You're like, wait, what? Like, what is that leap of logic? And they've tried that in a couple of cases. They didn't try it in the Lake and Riley case, thank God. They tried a couple of cases where they're like, well, they didn't really know what they were doing. You're like, they didn't think that was wrong. There was at least a case out of Texas and a case out of Arizona who had tried to have that defense. You're just like, that. that's really what we're resorting to now. Like that, that's the coping mechanism right now. It, it just, it just, it sickens me, man. It sickens me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, that, that's the thing. The emperor has no clothes. When they make these statements, you know, oh, well, she, white women resisted, so he crushed her skull. Like, you know, the whole, that's just bullshit. Everybody knows it's bullshit. Um, the emperor has no clothes when they, they make arguments like this. Nobody buys this. And it, and, and it, it further delegitimizes uh, their point of view. It, it you know, and, and, and again, their best bet would be say nothing, you know, and, and so why do you need to say anything? But I, I don't want to give the propagandists any ideas um, because to hell with them. But understand what they are. They are regime propaganda and, and that is what they are. Um, you know, we we saw this you know earlier today. I was kind of making fun of uh, uh, MSDNC. Uh, Microsoft NBC, by the way, in case you didn't know, that is what MSNBC stands for. It's Microsoft NBC. Look that up. Uh, that is what, what it stands for. Uh, I always get cracked up by that. How many people don't know that? Uh, but, um, you know, anyhow, um, point is... Uh, with MSDNC, you know, they have these these couple of guys on there that's, uh, you know, uh, rule white rage, rule right white rage. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, is what it is, right, is what it is. You're going to see a lot more of this. This is just the tone deafness of the regime. This is the tone deafness of of their propaganda, but this is part and parcel of that propaganda that they're going to be kicking out. It's, um, I take delight in it because it's insular thinking. Uh, it, it is, it, they, they are, uh, self-assuring. Yeah. It, it, yep. Yep. That's exactly what this is. Uh, you know, yeah, hey, these is, is, uh, rural hayseeds. Boy, they, they're real angry because us in the city, we just, you know, meanwhile, what they don't understand, these are the same people who are advocates for, you know, uh, housing illegals and open borders and uh, what have you. Uh, what they don't get is that without federal subsidies, they would cease to exist. Maybe they do get it. Maybe, maybe some of them on some level, maybe they get it. Uh, but without federal subsidies, they'll cease to exist. And therein lay the fundamental problem with their scheme that they're running is that once the jig is up there, 
and it will be sooner rather than later, then they're in a lot of trouble. They're in a lot of trouble. Places like Seattle, if Seattle did not receive massive, massive amounts of federal subsidies, they wouldn't have the money to, quote-unquote, house illegals. And these illegals, these, these illegal persons, these unhoused persons, right, as uh, Bushnell would call it, they wouldn't stay there. They would not remain there um, they because there would be no free gibs to give them. And uh, Seattle's kind of a shithole place. You know, it just is. Been there enough times. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Microsoft, Starbucks, Amazon. Yeah, okay. Um, place sucks, right? And Seattle, Seattle sucks. But uh, anyhow, yeah, it, it's it's we're we're running long on this one, short on time, uh, with just five minutes left. I want to turn this back over to the roundtable, and um, guys, final parting shots. Anything you want to add before we punch out for this edition of Radio Contra Sons of Liberty Live? I have a joke. I think it's a good joke. It's how the universe works. Scout's been talking about thermals and Stano and and the optics of the left. And then what happens? A guy named Bushnell, who's a communist, sets himself on fire. Jesus <laughs> Christ, JP. Bro. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> that is so dumb and twice. It was like a dad joke, totally. I got the best dad joke I heard today, actually. You want to hear it? This will be my party. There you go. Let's go, Risky. So, uh, you know, back when I was in college, I played baseball, and we had to get the urinalysis done occasionally. And uh, Nurse Lorraine was there, and she gave me the cup to pee in, and I having some trouble and Lorraine walked out and uh I can peek <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't even do it. I can pee freely now. Lorraine is gone. <laughs> oh for fuck's sake, Risky. Don't don't laugh at that. That was terrible. <laughs> I can't help it. Oh, so On that note, I'm going to remind you, Krisky, you committed to appearing with me and Angry American uh, in April. Remember? <laughs> I don't remember that. But I'm going to hold you to it. It's, uh, it just it's faded a little bit, you know. It was in so. the back corner of the bar. There, we're going to that uh, self reliance festival again in April. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and so so Chris will be there. I'll be there, and I told you I had a spare ticket, so join us. Uh, so for everyone else, I'll be at Self Reliance Festival in Camden, Tennessee, the fourth and through fourth and or sorry, sixth and seventh of April. I'll also be at the Kentucky Homesteading Festival, uh, March twenty third and twenty fourth in Bowling Green. So, fun stuff. Bad Ben. Yeah, I'm here. Um, you know, I was trying to think of something witty to say, and I can't think of anything right now. Too um, bad you didn't have an awesome dad joke on fucking standby. You, you can tell right. us about the goodness that is Malort. 
You know what? Uh, I'm going to make a fucking cocktail Molotov out of a Malort bottle, and I'm going to smack a commie right in the face with it. Please do. That's my, that's my parting gift. As they're burning alive. Like Is a- that Malort? Fuck! <laughs> yes. That's correct. Boy, he got killed by a bottle of Malort. Look, that's what he was actually doing. I mean, he wasn't trying to set himself on fire. He was trying to do a shot of Malort. Uh, is that, he was dousing yeah. himself in Malort? The nerve of this guy. Yeah. Uh, here's what I'll say uh, for my parting gift is last weekend I ended up heading down south uh, and uh, to, to a brewery and took my radios with me and it's really close to a lot of off-roaders who use CB and I was testing my gear, I was testing my, my Spectrum Analyzer, I was testing my uh, CB, uh, the QYT CB58, uh, whatever it is that we have at the store and and get out there and test your gear and see what's going on with it because you might think that you bought it and you understand it and you stick it on a shelf, you you don't. You don't know the quirks of it, you don't know I'm trying to understand the fucking menu of some of these things that were written by like a 17-year-old in China. You have to get out and train with your gear and understand how it works and what you're seeing on the screen means what you think it means. That's my parting gift. Get out and fucking train. Even if it's just you in your backyard or you parking next to a highway where you're monitoring CB radio and is getting used to radio comms, do it. Boom. Get out there, use your equipment. Uh, definitely get in on the training store. You will find uh, all of the classes for the remainder of 2024 up there. I know it's really crazy to think about. Last day of February going into March, and you're like, man, remainder of 2024. But yeah, it's all up there. Get in on it. It's going to be a wild year. Uh, the 640 Stingers, uh, 640 screen resolution, high demand item. They are going to be back in stock tomorrow. Uh, they will be here in hand tomorrow. Uh, you can get in on those. I think that they're going to sell out real fast, but we're going to have more in stock. Of course, I've got full line of thermal and night vision in stock as well as all your communications needs, tactical gear, you name it. We've got it. Brushbeater.store. Look forward to talking to all of you again very, very soon for this episode of Radio Contra, Sons of Liberty Live. God bless. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. Zen Scout.